Hey guys, welcome back to the Back Yourself Show. I'm your host, Tom Ferry. I am a two-time founder and angel investor who has literally no idea what he's doing. So I started the show so I can meet people that do and learn from them and palm off their wisdom as my own. This week is no different. I have the amazing Sue hit on and he is an incredible entrepreneur who started his first business when he was just 15 years old. He now runs an incredible influencer agency which is hugely successful. But the most powerful part about his story is that he had a life-changing event happen to him when he was just 16 and that changed his trajectory for life. It's a really powerful story. It's got lots of great information. If you're a content creator or you're looking about starting a business while you're at uni, this is the perfect episode for you. I hope you enjoy it. You are our youngest ever entrepreneur on the show, but your journey started quite a lot earlier. You started making a YouTube channel when you were 13. Is that right? Yep, that's correct. What were you, um, what were you making there? I was doing gaming, really bad gaming at the time. I uh, didn't have any sort of setup. Um, it was just me playing FIFA with my mates, high squeaky voice when I was 13. I don't know if it's really fallen. Oh, it's the same. Still the same, maybe. Yeah. Really bad laptop, really bad editing quality. But yeah, it was mostly gaming, mostly on FIFA, Minecraft, some horror games and CSGO. So you you now, for people who don't know, people who didn't listen to the intro, like you you run an agency for influencers. So I'm going to just go straight into start asking serious questions about that because a lot of people who are entrepreneurial and they think that they've got a voice or a personality they want to create content but then there is some people might feel like there is a barrier like i need to get x camera or whatever mixing panel or whatever whereas do you think that's necessary because you had nothing at the beginning and you were just working off like whatever i don't think there's really any barrier anymore you know you see the rise of like tiktok instagram reels and stuff literally all you need is your phone set up somewhere and you can blow up overnight like all these tiktok stars that have got big literally set up a phone just started doing some dances and, and and bang i think if you want to really take it and scale it that's when you have to start thinking about right what setup do i need what equipment do i need because you know qu qu uh, quantity of content only goes so far it's then the quality of content that you can actually who can engage people with is what you can really scale with so i'd say to begin with no but if you want to take it to a serious scale then yes so going back to when you were 13, so you started off and you had a really shit setup. Um, but were you getting traction? Were you getting people coming in? Yeah, so my biggest YouTube channel got to 37,000 subscribers and I had a few videos that had hit like 3 million views um, on my, basically I was doing, uh, this channel I was doing Five Nights at Freddy's animations. They're still up there, they're awful. I'll maybe show you them at some point, but it's so bad looking back on it. I was improving going forward. But yeah, I got a lot of traction from that one. Most of the channels up to that, not very much, but this is the one thing that I kind of found the niche that people were interested in. It was short form animations and that one got to about 36,000 subscribers. And I made, I was making, you know, maybe $200 off it a month at the time. So not all that much, but a lot. 13, that's, uh, for 13 that's, to 15, that's sweet yeah. quiche, mate. That, I, I thought what were you that, spending yeah. it on? Nothing. I didn't really have anything to spend money so you're on. So what, time. you're just saving it? It's just in the bank account, really. Oh, it's so fucking boring. We're not like just buying sweets and sherbet. Yeah. No, I, I was still having the bank of mum and dad at that point, oh, even though money. I had $200 a month coming in or so. <laughs> Such a stitch up. Okay, fine. <laughs> All right, so you did that. But then and how long did you keep that up for? So I was doing YouTube till I think the age of 15, and that's when I stopped. So I had two years. Two years of multiple different channels. I had like maybe four or five channels that I'd restarted or tr created something new. But I think up until 15 is when I finally stopped with uh, creating content myself. So what, and what made you stop? Because it sounds like if you've got five channels, it's a lot of work, especially as you're at school. Yeah, I think the main reasoning behind it is because I quite quickly realized that I was a lot more business-minded and I actually preferred and understood how to help creators make money and monetize their content as opposed to 
me being the entertainer and creating the good content myself. Sure. So that I kind of pivoted over to to that side. And can you say so what made you realize that at 15? I just got into it and I enjoyed it a lot more. It was like, right. I, ha- I felt like a passion inside of like actually seeing someone else develop and grow and you know, me being a kind of behind the scenes part of that than yeah. me trying to do it myself. And it wasn't really getting to where I wanted it to get to. So I think it was just really that. And I think since the kind of getting to online entrepreneurship and starting things, you know, when I was 13, I, I think that that kind of spark came out of me and working with other people, helping other people grow was was the main reason behind it nice and so when you you did that like talk me through what were like what were the key things that people were doing wrong that you identify that you could do differently because if you're starting a business and you start to do that obviously there has to be something that other people just aren't getting what did you what was the, the kind of the key things because a lot of people who are listening to this are probably thinking well fuck yeah i want to make some money for my content so what were the key things they weren't doing at that point i honestly don't know like for <laughs> okay. me because I, I was 15 at this point i was just yeah. trying a bunch of different things yeah and like the first business i started was when i was when i was 15 it was just the case of i just kind of copied and pasted what other people were doing and just try to do the same thing right so i um just cont- i just kind of did that it wasn't really till i started business more seriously when i got to 16 and 17 where i actually was like properly looking at the market and saying okay this is what my competitors are doing how can i do it differently or better that's quite an interesting part of your story. So you, when you were 16 and you'd obviously identified this, you went and worked for ESL. And for those people who don't know, ESL is like... They're the biggest esports company in the world, like full stop. Yeah. They've yeah. merged, they've bought, I think they've got over a billion pound valuation. They're, they're, they're like the top dogs of esports. Yeah. And you, and you just reached out to them when you were 16. So you wanted to work for them. Yeah. So I basically was just applying for a bunch of online jobs that i was interested in mostly around gaming youtubers influencers because that was the areas that i was mostly Mm -hmm. interested in right and i was just getting rejection after rejection after rejection because at that time it was like no one was really taking me seriously because i was like 16 years old and was still in school and i was having like a lot of the pushback from that obviously they were going to go with more experienced candidates but i reached out and i applied for this job at esl and it was for junior account manager or something at their video network and I got a call with like the head of the division and, and he sat me down and was like, typically we don't do this, but I see a lot of you, that, I, I see a lot of myself in you when I was younger. Nice. Um, so I'm going to take a gamble on you. So I got this job. It was like a kind of contracted. I was getting paid via the UK company, but working for the German division, working after school. And I was just getting paid like 800 euros a month to kind of support in a bit, bunch of different areas. Nice. But for me, it was like 16 years old, 800 euros a month whilst at school. This yeah. was doing what I love, which was working in esports, gaming, yeah. with influencers. I was like, this is this is this is amazing. Um, and that was really like a very big turning point for me because it went from sort of trying to learn business myself online to actually then being thrown headfirst into a, a huge corporation with people who have been working in the space for years and years, dealing with massive creators, massive brands. And that's where I actually really learned that right, I have to take this seriously and get a lot of education about the space if I want to actually get anywhere. Nice. And so, and would you recommend that to other kids? Like, would you say to other people who are like 16 to 18 or whatever, would you say just just try and get yourself a side hustle? Oh yeah, 100%. I would say the most valuable thing I did from young was doing something aside aside from school because i slowly realized that obviously what you're learning in school is probably going to be applicable to a bunch of other areas you know you you know you're learning biology math whatever you want to go into those routes great 
But for a lot of people who want to do something more creative or entrepreneurial who don't necessarily think the school system is for them, you learn so much trying and failing at things when you're younger, getting side hustles. Even if you're just working in, you know, Morrison's or something, you learn about how to deal with people. I think everything is like walking, everything in in the world is or in businesses, you walk into a room and you talk to people. So if you can even just get some experience of dealing with people, customer service when you're younger, it sets you up so well for Mm -hmm. for going forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah, great advice. Okay, so, and you worked there for how long? Six months. And then you were like, mate, I can do this myself. Fuck you guys, I'm on my own. Kate, yes and no, <laughs> a little a little bit, sort of, but um, it, it kind of came through uh, a point in my life which um, wasn't particularly great. So I would have stayed at ESL. I, right. think, I think if the thing that happened, which I'll explain, didn't happen, I probably... I may still be ESL today. Who knows? Right. Um, but the idea was that, that I was working at ESL whilst I was in school, and the plan was when I finished high school i would go and work for them full-time in their their german office so, so instead of going to uni you just yeah go i was to gonna go there. straight and work work for them that was the cool. kind of sort of vision that we'd set out with the with the with the boss but unfortunately quite quickly into that experience i had a pretty life-changing experience in my life so about a month into that job things were going so well for me i had this job i was doing well at school you know i was you know happy whatever and then, unfortunately, I uh, got diagnosed with cancer um, in February of 2018. So literally a month into where my life is at its peak at this point, and then everything comes crashing down. And um, obviously for anyone getting diagnosed with cancer, it's, uh, you know, a, a massive thing. But for me, when I was, I was 16 years old, lived a healthy lifestyle, was still at school, never smoked, never drunk no hereditary experiences as well and i'm just in shock and disbelief like how how does a 16 year old just randomly get how did you Ill? know so yeah that this is a this is a story i remember vividly so i was literally new year's eve of 2017 i was on the way in the parents car they're dropping me off a new year's eve party bottle prosecco ready to go and i scratched my neck um and i felt like a lump and i can't remember if it's the left or right side of my neck and I brushed it off as if it's nothing, because obviously, you know, whenever you get ill, you get like lymph nodes and stuff. Yes, yeah, so you just get up and you get lymph nodes, and then yeah. they'll go away, right? Yeah. But during the month of January, it just kept growing, and it just kept growing. It didn't go away, and then more and more started forming. And I was like, right, something is definitely yeah. not right now. I got called up to the Beats in West of Scotland Cancer Center on the February twenty third, and my dad was like, don't worry about it, because the doctor I was going to see also deals with other stuff. That's just where he's located. But I think at this point, I made up my mind that I knew it was going to be something related to cancer i'm going to a cancer center i'm seeing a cancer doctor i've done the research but you know what at this point i still wasn't really phased by the whole thing go there and he gives me me the bad news that you know i'm diagnosed with a cancer called hodgkin's lymphoma and again at this point i was still really unfazed because i didn't really quite understand like what the situation i was in i was a bit of like disbelief at this point you know, I, I was just getting all myself and then I went home and then this is where it really hit me. I heard my mum on the phone to my gran, I think, um, when I was in my room um, and she was like crying on the phone and then it just hit me and I just started tearing up and everything just hit me. I was like, right, I this is the situation I'm in. I'm 16 year old and, and I've got cancer. I've got a life-threatening disease right now. So that's how I found it out. Um, but I've always been very academic and I didn't want this to affect it and I didn't want to have to take a year off i wanted to get things done um so i just tried to keep going with with everything as, 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 as much as possible so i still was able to maintain you know things obviously measured and whatnot um i didn't have to do like as much homework which was quite nice i didn't have to do as many tests but i was still trying to make sure i could stay up to up to date and focus and 
a couple of my friends knew so they were kind of helping me out here and there with uh with some of the stuff but yeah i just wanted to be as normal as possible but it's obviously quite hard when you're in that situation yeah it's pretty rough um and so you made it you got through it fine you recovered yeah Yeah. um which is which is great and then you got to the end of that and then you were like right new lease of life more drive more yeah what 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 happened after that that made you move into so it was actually during the experience that happened so i was obviously working esl from from january i still worked with them for six months up until the end of june and uh, they were very very understanding as well i was given a lot of like leeway and stuff because obviously i was ill they again were like do you do you want to like quit or like take time off and i was like nope i want to continue so i still tried to balance everything i don't know how i did it like i'm looking back and i'm like i could not balance all the stuff i was doing back then i can barely balance what i'm yeah, doing that, right yeah, now amazing when i'm completely fine yeah um but it was like the whole experience was uh like a, a whole it's like the second life thing it was like a life-changing experience for me and it was like my perspective massively shifted in life during this and i think you know anyone who goes through a traumatic experience they have a i have a they have a perspective but for me it's like looking on it now like i feel like when you go through something of trauma you have two options you either you know take that as a positive and you, you swim from it or you let yourself sink and get into a really bad way and you know i could have gone either way but luckily for me i i went i went the opposite way so my perspective of life changed and i was like if I'm going to die in a, in a year's time, three years time, five years time, for me, luckily, my cancer was one with a 15% chance of death. So I was pretty much going to get cured regardless. But it's always that voice in the back of your head, like, mm-hmm. what if that 15%? So if I was going to die, it was like, I need to do something now and take some action in my life. Otherwise, I'm going to be remembered for nothing. And since I turned 13 and started learning that you can make money online, do your own thing and be an entrepreneur, it was like, I've got to do this and follow my ambitions to be a successful entrepreneur. So... I quit ESL at the end of June. Basically, literally within a day, I started my first, my first, my second business or of what I do now, Slowest in Media. Um, and I got it all set up on the 1st of July. Uh, website made, everything. I already had the name and things uh, in, in mind. And the good thing for me was that I basically set up an influencer marketing company. So I was basically able to take all the learnings I had since I was 13, apply them into here, all the learnings I had in ESL, which were very, very valuable apply them there and I was also able to very quickly bring clients from ESL who I had signed to ESL they came to to work with me some of these talents and I also had good some good brand connects so we were able to get started very very quickly um obviously it's very difficult for you know I was 17 at this point so one a one a one man band who's in the chemo ward trying to build a business but I was just so passionate and motivated to do it because as well as that part, it almost like made me forget the situation I was in. Cause I'm sure, you know, like if you're in a bad situation, but you're so focused on one thing, you forget about all the other stuff in your life. Cause oh, I've so... never been in a bad situation. I'm sure you never. haven't, but let's yeah, say hypothetically never. you no, have. I can't even imagine that. Okay. No. Let's say someone else hypothetically has. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Like one of these two. One of these two. Yeah, I've, yeah, I've hypothetically been in a bad situation, but you're, you're, but you're so passionate and focused on one thing. You almost forget about the situation you're in. So I almost forgot like the situation I was in half, half the time because I was just, you know, head down, just trying to build this business. My fingers still worked. My brain kind of still worked every so often when I, you know, wasn't having chemo. So I was just building this. Um, And as I say, because of being able to bring some clients from ESL and I had connections, I was able to start things up very, very quickly. So I started as a talent management business uh, originally. So we were managing mostly gaming and esports YouTubers because that's the niche that I was in. So we were managing them and essentially just helping them commercialize their content they made online very basically through sponsorships and brand deals in the current climate marketing is hard but do you know what isn't hard 
making sure you never miss an episode of your favourite podcast. So tap the follow button on your podcast and you'll never miss out on the latest episodes of Unicorny or Marketing Difference. You can even go back and listen to our back catalogue of amazing episodes. If you do that, please leave us a review. It would mean so much. Every business starts with... um one of two phrases is like, wouldn't it be cool if, or wouldn't it be better if? Yeah. Okay. So what did you believe that you could do better than other people in order to make this business? Because you, there's obviously something that wasn't happening. Yeah. yeah otherwise you wouldn't have created the business yes. because you don't go out and say, right, I'm going to make a company that delivers food that has a kangaroo as a logo. And um, I've got a really good idea for it. You don't do that. <laughs> like what was, what was it that made you, what did you think you could do better? Yeah, so I've kind of two two main things are the reason I started this company, which is which is great. So firstly, it was I was based in Scotland. There was no other influencer marketing companies around. Like I'd done the research, there was no dedicated influencer specialist up there. So I thought I could be the first to serve the Scottish market. And then secondly, obviously I'd obviously been a YouTuber, you know, in my time as I mentioned, and, and my main channel. I was signed with a with a company for a bit, and. The issue that I saw in the space a lot was a lot of brands and a lot of agencies and a lot of MCNs would sign a creator, promise them the world up front, and then deliver absolutely nothing. So this was a big problem in the space at the time. They would lock them into like year-long contracts. So I was like, I want to change that and actually be able to deliver, uh, you know, empathetic relationship first, you know, friendship building service where what we promise we actually deliver. And so many of these agencies weren't doing that. So I started building it based off of a relationship first. Uh, kind of talent management business. I like that. So I've got a couple of questions here. If you are a, someone who's listening to this right now and they're creating their own content, and we spoke about this a little bit before the show, what are the thresholds in which they should be thinking I should be getting a talent manager? Like what are the points in which they think I should outsource the commercialization of what I do through someone else? What are the thresholds? So let's start with like, um, what are the main platforms you work with YouTube and TikTok? YouTube, YouTube, Twitch are the main ones for us okay. and then TikTok as well. So we're okay. mostly primarily a YouTube based one, but we work across all the platforms. Okay, well, let's talk about YouTube and TikTok because it's been more relatable to everyone else. So YouTube, what number of subscribers do you start being like, this is all like number of views on videos. This is the threshold to so, which you can do this as a job. So I don't, actually think there's an SLA threshold anymore Ooh, okay. because like you know well i'm going to use instagram as example here or tiktok as, or as the example here because more and more brands are trying to invest in smaller creators because they have smaller budgets to test with when a creator should think about getting a manager i think there's two things one when they think that they can outsource something that's going to give them more time to create the content and one where they think they can outsource something that's going to make them more money are the two areas is right. what i would think so you know you could be a creator who's got fifty thousand followers or fifty thousand subscribers and you are so packed because you have all this, you know, you're making all this content and you don't have time to deal with your business aspect. That's when you should think about it, right? Could I gain more time to focus on my content and I could, you know, outsource this whole 10 hours a week that I'm focusing on admin and business to someone else? Or I don't really understand how to commercialize myself. Could I partner with someone that can make me more money? Obviously, there are different areas like most smaller creators won't have these problems you know you might be thinking you know creators are maybe getting like a hundred thousand views per video on youtube is a pretty good one where they can commercialize very well you know be making thousands of of videos maybe like a thousand to four thousand off a very easy integration or six second integration um and they can get that pretty consistently because brands will will pay that it's not you know it's not too much of a it's not too large a, a sum um you know there are some certain ones but honestly like there are a lot of smaller creators who have management or there's some bigger creators who don't have management um, but it's simply based on a personal preference. But I think it's those are the two things of if you think that you can gain more time, do it. 
and if you think you can make more money do it but obviously you know there's the big there's the big elite ones like you know mr beast like he needs a management team around him because they're opening brands this whole the career economy the side men are building out stuff you know that's when you really like you actually can't it's when you're turning going from an individual influencer into a brand you need support team around that um and if you want to do that as well and start building other things then a management is probably quite useful as well and what's the from and uh because obviously you do both so you're looking after the clients what makes an influencer attractive to a client very very dependent um but there's kind of some some key things i'd say so obviously for 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 yourself you probably know where is your the audience you're trying to target so if the influencer has that similar audience that's good also the thing the main thing is the the with with the with the, with the brand and the influencer for free things is a audience sentiment so are the does the audience that is watching the the influencer really get behind the influencer get behind the projects the influencer is working on because you know if, if a brand can see that and we've worked with a few creators who the their audience actually really likes the sponsorships they do whereas we've worked with other creators where the audience hates it so they, mm. it doesn't actually work well for the brand engagement rates obviously a very important one because you know you follower and vanity metrics don't really mean anything if obviously your audience isn't engaged then the brand's not really getting anywhere also um for a lot of brands brand safety is a big thing you know a lot of brands don't want to work with creators who potentially have bad past or outspoken things it's like a it's like a clean sort of pr thing but i'd definitely say like a creator that resonates with the brand and has that engagement that a brand wants to try and target and a good audience sentiment are the main sort of three areas i would i would say so amazing okay that's good advice um and thanks for the insight so you're now at the point where you've got what 10 employees yeah 10 employees. rounds of full-time and contractor yeah amazing what uh, so you've been running the business for five years uh just over four just four over four years okay four a bit, yeah what lessons what are like the key three lessons that you've learned over that time because from the perspective of being someone who was like going through sick form going through university whilst building that out because like and you've built a, a genuine business that has sustained a you know has, has been very successful for you personally um what are the key lessons that you would give to any other 16 year old who's starting a business or 17 year old rather than someone who is in their late 20s or whatever who's leaving a job what specific advice would you give yourself back then or to those people yeah so to the younger people specifically is that this is the per that's the literally the perfect time in my opinion because like think about you know if, if, I'm, if, I, if i was to give the advice to a 30 year old 40 year old person leave your job start a business that's pretty daunting because they've got potentially kids liabilities whatever when you're 16 17 you're, on, you're most of the time you're at the bank and mom and dad you don't really have any liabilities so you can try stuff and fail stuff and learn stuff and that's the perfect period where you should be doing that because then when you get to the 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 the, the, the age where you're gonna have to start having these liabilities you'll have had all these experiences before where you've tried and failed and you'll know you know the strategies that do work you'll have all the learnings and you can take that and put that forward so i would say this is if you want to start something don't wait because you think you're not experienced enough get that experience at a young age because it puts you so far ahead of everyone else who's coming out of uni and trying to get a job or who's maybe coming out of uni or out of school and wants to start a business at that point you've had these extra three or four years ahead of them and you have all these learnings that you can take take forward and i've seen this time and time again all the guys that i know who are similar age to me the ones who are more successful are the ones that have tried and failed multiple times than the ones who are coming fresh out of you know academic or school and are trying now because you know they don't have the same learnings experience second thing i would say and the main thing for me and i think this is probably in my opinion the most important thing for any business and any entrepreneurs 
network, in my opinion, is the most important thing. And I say this all the time. And Agreed. people people hear the whole network equals your net worth and thing and think it's cringe. But I honestly believe I would not be in the position I am in today without me having built this network over those those years. I've had so much business just through getting introductions from other people, building out networks. What I have, a, I have another business that I work on, and literally the two business partners I met through someone else getting introduced and extending network going to networking events i know this is a you know pretty successful business that three of us are building and i also think like especially like you know when you're trying to build a business you have to be very laser focused on 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 building that business you don't necessarily have time for other things you know for me personally you know i would love to spend more time on learning about the crypto markets if i could but if you have a network of people who focus on that you can literally multiply your wealth just by having that network and be friends with them without having to do anything else so i would say whether you're 16 or 17 or whether you're 40 network is the most important thing for having any sort of success because you can be have zero other skill sets but if you're a good networker i can guarantee you're going to have some sort of success somewhere um so i'd say that is it as well and then i also think the other thing is that too many people wait for a perfect time to start something um and you see it time and time again it's like people like oh you know not even just in business but it's like i can't do this this week i'm too busy Next week's going to be better. So many people wait for the perfect time. There's never going to be a perfect time. When have you ever done anything where you think there's a per- that there's a perfect time? You you know when you're when you're doing entrepreneurship, there is never a perfect time. You just have to take the risk and and work something out. Um, so too many people are held back by needing this perfect time or alternatively self limiting beliefs. Everyone has self limiting beliefs, whether that's you know they're 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 conscious they can't do something or whether that's their ego that's like oh no I'm I'm too good for this. The self limiting beliefs and waiting for the perfect time stop people from taking that action so you need to really work on yourself and you know your, your mindset your mentality and thinking right there's never gonna be a perfect time i need to drop the ego i need to stop being you know too scared or too self-conscious to do this and just go and do it because you have zero percent guarantee of success if you don't do it whereas if you do it you got at least one percent guarantee because you're moving towards the right direction so those are the three things i would say I think it's great advice. I like that. And testimony to the network. That's how we met. We met through some former guests of the show, the uh, Snagged Heights crew, Tom and Bree. Yeah. And that's how you started working with us three years ago. Yeah. There you go. And on the same vein, what advice would you give to people who want to make a career out of making content? I would say right now we're actually living in an attention economy. Um, I was talking about this yesterday with a few people. Previously, if you wanted to get very, very wealthy, it was like through things like oil or whatever. But now I think attention is the thing that captivates everyone so if you can catch someone's attention you can make you know success out of content and you see this all the time especially with the with with the biggest creators out there they're the ones that can hook you on and on and on and on again um so i think if you want to make success out of content you need to learn how you need to actually i think it's about all about human psychology to learn how to hook and captivate people because it doesn't necessarily matter about the quality of the content at that point but if you can keep re-engaging someone throughout your video they're not going to want to leave and obviously watch time is such an important thing so i'd say garnering that attention and working on how you keep hooking an audience throughout your content whether it's the best quality or not is the most important thing right now i think as well if you want to make a career of content short form is is the way to go previously it was always longer form but now with the rise of things like tiktok ig reels it's so much easier to grow organically overnight and become an overnight success and have a much quicker journey to success if you're focusing on the short form platforms where you can pump out a high quantity of engaging content where you can hook people very very quickly because obviously take the content 15 to 60 seconds as opposed to you know a five minute video and then building an audience on these platforms and then diversifying that audience across 
other audiences. So what a lot of these big TikTokers are doing are obviously getting big on TikTok, millions of followers there, and then moving their audiences to then long form where they're going to be able to make obviously more money off of their long form content, off of monetization, brand deal sponsorships. So that's what I would say for if you want to make a career out of uh, out of content at the moment. Great advice. Okay. Um, one thing we talk about here on the show is the startup Sinbin. That is the one thing that you would um, love to be taken away from startup culture. Um, you've been in the game for a little while and you're quite heavily embedded in it. What is one thing that fucks you off that you wish didn't exist? So I've, I was saying to, to Mickey before this that I have one that I feel like you actually might agree with. And I think it's because I've seen this before. So I know like everyone in the, the community is always like really against hustle culture. And I'm actually personally for it. Mate, I'm all in, mate. And I feel like I see all these like LinkedIn posts about like, stop glorifying hustle culture, blah, blah, blah. And I obviously understand that like people posting about, I got up at 5 a.m. and worked till 12 p.m. Like that's cringe. Don't need to do that. But I also, on the alternate side, hate people who are like, you don't need to hustle. Like if you want to, and I personally think that the lot of success that I've had is simply because I have put in the hours, I've put in the extra effort and you know, I, you know, if you can work smart and hard at the same time, then great. But I hate the people who are posting constantly about like, you know, you need to have a balanced approach, do this, do that. Just like let people hustle if they want to hustle. If you don't want to hustle, that's fine. But I hate the all like the, the self appreciation posts and stuff on LinkedIn opposing the people who want to put the work and put in the hustle. Um, and I think that's a testament to like where I've come is because of that extra, those extra hours I put in in other places. I'm 100% into that, mate. I, I, I hate people at, um, hating on hustle culture. It's like if you were at a football training round and you were there training with Cristiano Ronaldo and he's staying late to practice, you wouldn't be like, who's that dickhead? What's he doing? He's working too hard. His mental health must be terrible. You know, they're not thinking that. Yeah, they're, they're not think, at all. That guy's just working hard to try and get to his goals. Exactly. And I don't think you can, this, and, and I don't think there's any, you know, some people may, it may detriment, but I think like if you can do it right, it doesn't detriment from other areas because obviously if you're truly passionate about what you're doing, they're actually more potentially more beneficial for for your mental health and you know when i'm when i'm working really hard you know i'm very disciplined behind it and it doesn't detriment for me maybe some people don't have the have the same opinion but again it's like the the, the top entrepreneurs there's no top entrepreneur that i know who is slacked you know every single big business person you see elon musk for example he's still in the factories today going around working extremely hard he doesn't need to work a day in his life his kids his kids kids but he's still hustling because like that's just the way you, you kind of have to do it, in my opinion. That's it. The two things that make successful are obsession and dedication. That's it. No, I, I completely agree. Mate, this has been a really good show. I really appreciate it. Oh, we're doing a new thing. I'm ready. He's ready. Okay, the first one is top three considerations when hiring someone. Uh, if they fit the culture. if well, So uh, they have to be from where? No. Was, <laughs> they fit the company culture. Uh, if they're a Filipino VA that you can pay cheap now. <laughs> <laughs> no, if they fit if they fit the company culture, if they, in my opinion, have the relevant experience within the within the space. And obviously I think especially when you're interviewing, if you can feel that passion oozing out of them are the three nice. things that I always look for. Things you should never say to an investor. I don't know. I've never had investment. Take it. I love that. Things you should never say in a public Slack channel. Oh, to be fair, I th if 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 it's if it's your company, you've got a good coach. I think you can kind of say anything. You know, so you can say, "Hey, Mark, you've been fired for being shit." 
if the culture is good, I feel like that's something you would do, you know? It's something I would do, yeah, exactly. I, I, to be fair, I feel like you should discipline in private and praise in public. So that's I feel what like everyone if... says, but we do it the opposite way here. We find we get better results that way. Really? Because everyone just lives in fear of being publicly shamed. See, I tried that for a while, but I feel like it wasn't it wasn't helping some of the, the culture and stuff. Oh, so okay. like I did it the opposite way. And people like the whole, you know, being told straight up to their you know, the face what's wrong, but then obviously if something's good. So I'd say probably like, really really bad things that someone's done maybe leave that for a public slap channel no, absolutely not. you don't know anything like if you knew anything about like the great successes like when they built the pyramids and so forth like if that's they the slapped conspiracy off, theory you just kill them you the, know, that's they didn't you make do. the pyramids conspiracy theory who, who, who built it they were just there <laughs> they were just there they just formed they're mountains yeah good okay we're gonna stop on that madness um thanks so much it's been a really good show and i really appreciate it thank you for having me on thank you that was really good thank you